It's time to get into the death. To me, it's got a ring to it. A weekly podcast dedicated to covering the student-athletes, coaches, and teams of the University of Minnesota Morris Cougars. There is no better place than into the den. And now, from the home of the Cougars, let's go deep into the den. We're going to talk Cougar athletics. With your co-hosts, Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Spring break almost upon us, Mr. Grove, but we've got at least one more episode of The Den here, and then as you and I were talking offline, we got to figure out what our strategy is moving forward, um, you know, but one of those things that it's nice to have different options in terms of what we're going to go, but we've hit almost every sport. Um, waiting on today's guest, obviously, Coach Heather Pennyroy to join us and, and talk through her experience too, but uh, it's been a heck of a ride so far. It's been great. Here we are at episode 17, and um, as we have both said time and time again, we think the uh, the best part of this has been these interactions with our current coaches, and uh, we take something away from it all the time. Not that it <clears throat> isn't great to recap some things that are going on. That's important too, but uh, this has become a really highlight for us, and um, we're hoping maybe this will grow into a first-time listener over here in, in Coach Penny Roy. Well, I hope. it's high. She's got a high... Uh, standard to hit now coming off of baseball last week, that's for sure. They said it. So We, we peaked. Yep, we peaked. Thanks, thanks, Alex Bauman, once again. <laughs> I, I'm putting that completely on your shoulders. Uh, but in all seriousness, it's exciting to bring uh, Coach Penny Roy in with us, obviously um, the longest tenured member of the staff, and I mean that in the best possible way, Coach. So I'm excited to hear about it. But um, through your experiences, obviously, at UMM, both as a student athlete, the D2 years, if you want to classify them as that, into now our, our UMAC experiences, um, you've got hopefully a, a perspective that, that few others can share in terms of what Cougar Athletics means to you personally and then also as a, as a professional too. So mm-hmm. the first thing that we start off with everybody um, is just tell us about you. And it's the stuff that Tim and I perhaps take for granted because we've known you for 20 years. But but who are you? You know, Where did you grow up? What brought you to UMM? Um, what's kept you here for 20-odd-ish years thereafter? Talk to us about that, if you would. All right. Well, I grew up in a small town called Ballard, Minnesota. Um, actually, not in town. On a dairy farm. Um, and sports were a way of life. Ride bike into town, play summer league and everything else. And then... Uh, got to the high school and the older kids would drive you to school, <laughs> drive you to practice. And, and, uh, uh, Sheila Perkins was the head volleyball and softball coach here at the time when I was in high school. And she recruited me for a little over a year before I made up my mind to come in here. And I was actually let in here. It was right when they started doing the, uh, the high academic standards. And for Villard, I was actually a pretty good student, but for here, it took a little while to get some reference letters and things like that to actually get in the doors. So but I got here and absolutely fell in love with the place and had such a great experience that I wasn't going to leave till Mark Full said, go get your master's degree so you can come back and coach. And so I did. And as soon as the job opened up, he gave me a call and said, come on back. And I've been here ever since. So so we, we skipped over a lot of the good parts there. I yeah, think. I would Tell, say so. I mean, <laughs> we're sitting here at the Hall of Famer. She didn't mention one thing about her playing days here no. at UMM. Uh, so if we could back up just a little bit, HP, and talk a little bit about your experience playing here at UMM. What was that like? What did you compete in? Um, tell, give us a, a picture of what you did here as a student athlete. As a student athlete, I was a volleyball and softball player. And at the time, Sheila Perkins was the head coach of both volleyball and softball. So she was stuck with me for two seasons. But um, 
I liked playing volleyball. I loved playing softball. And our softball, we didn't have the best records team-wise uh, for softball. We were way more successful in volleyball, set school records and all over the place with wins and a winning percentage and individually serving aces and things like that. So way more successful with that program. But And I loved it um, and had great experiences there and great teammates with that. But in softball, it was just the, the passion of the game kept me going. Again, our records weren't great, but I was surrounded by great people. And um, some favorite memories are just you know, turning a double play in our third baseman, getting so excited, she comes up with a fist and knocks out the third base coach. And <laughs> those are, she got the name Wild Thing after that. And we just, those are the things that you remember from that in the memory. So, um, but yes, I had some pretty good success here, uh, surrounded by great teammates. Yep. And you were involved with other aspects of campus while you were here as well, too, correct? Yeah, I sang in the concert choir. So I did more tours with the concert choir than I did with any other sports. We didn't do a spring break trip. I was telling my athletes on our van trip down to Augsburg this last weekend, our spring break was to go to Yankton, South Dakota and play in the dome. Mm. So because <laughs> that was the only dome in the area at the time, it was... Uh, that was the that was the go-to trip. When did softball, I mean, we'll jump ahead to jump backwards again. When did softball start taking those trips? I mean, was it in the, obviously, I, I think they were when I was here as a student athlete. The, the spring break trips? Yeah. I started taking teams. Our first trip was to um, Pensacola, Florida. And that was the, it, it was all such a blur because it was my first time traveling with a team and doing everything else. But um, I want to say it was like either my first or second year back coaching. Okay. So early, early 2000s. Late ninety nine, maybe. <laughs> I was going to jump to this later, but since we're talking Florida trip right now, I'll just I'll bring this up. And what what is the goal of those Florida trips? Obviously, you're getting games which you can't get here. I understand that piece of it. You're going to go and play 10, 14, however many games it is down there, as many as you can get if it's not raining, I guess. <laughs> um, but besides just playing the games, what is the goal of those trips every year? Well, the goal. There's multiple goals. One of them is just the team bonding, the team chemistry of just the travel. And every year we come back at the end of the season, what was your favorite part of the year? Oh, this, what we did at the hotel here, what we did at the pool here, what we did. I'm like, okay, come on, let's get some game, game real life talk here. But so the team bonding is, is huge. That's where the chemistry is built. And hopefully by the time we get back, um, that's going to carry us into our conference season. Cause we know that's what the conference season's what matters, but we're, we're going to play 12 varsity games and three reserve games while we're down there this year. And wow. by then, we should figure out who our starting lineup is. Um, we have enough. And they mean something. Every game means something. But they don't really mean anything until we get back here. So we can right. experiment with different people in different places. Right. And that was going to be my next thing. From a, from a coaching standpoint, I would think you use these games as a, okay, let's figure out who we are. Mm -hmm. Right? Who can we count on? Who can be our, our top pitchers? Who are going to be... Our, our key field, kind of figuring that, those pieces out in those games that you have. So when you come back, okay, now we're ready to hit the ground running and we can really kind of uh, be set for our our true season. Yep. And the years past, I mean, uh, Diane Blummel days, I think sure. it was 2011, 2010, we'd yep. go through spring break not winning a game. And I'd always say, it's okay, guys, we're, we're, we're beating the ground here and, and, and we're going to figure things out. And we get back and we'd end up first or second in the conference. So it's just like it's taking those hits and those lumps down there and, and figuring things out and getting back here and doing it. Well, because down there you're going to face, I would assume, some teams from different geographic locations that have been playing for weeks and maybe have games under their belt, maybe not. But can you talk to a little bit about um, how that schedule is set? If I'm not mistaken, it goes through, you have almost no say in it, correct? Correct. We, 
They give us a list of the 230 teams that are going to be there between the end of February and the end of March. And you look at the week that we're going to be there, and you can pick five teams that you really want to play and five teams you don't want to play at all, and the rest of it is just random. Mm -hmm. So out of the list of five that we wanted to play, I think we got three, and then one of them just decided not to do their spring trip, so they threw in another one, um, which ended up being another team that we requested to play. So um, if we're, yeah, like I said, we'll get three of those, and we just go with whatever we get after that. Super. Uh, one more before we talk current stuff, I want to just backtrack a little bit. So you, you know, after you're you're finishing your playing career, you talk with Coach Full, and Mark says, "Go get your master's degree, uh, and then you can come back here and coach." <laughs> talk to him about where did you go for that? What was that experience like? And then, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, how did that kind of shape you into the the coach that you are right now? Right. Um, so at the time, Deanne Mundinger was the head softball coach, head softball volleyball. It was still combined at the time. And she said, get an assistantship. You won't have to pay for a thing. And I'm like, really? I didn't even know that existed. So I got a graduate assistantship at Northern State University, who was a competitor in our conference and also a school that I had looked at to go to as an undergrad. So I was kind of familiar with the place. I knew the coach um, and I got accepted for the assistantship to work with volleyball and softball there. So it was perfect. And then the summer that I was supposed to go, they got a new coach. So I had to... I had to start over a little bit with it, but it was still basically the same experience. I mean, it was in the conference that we were already in, so I knew all the teams that we were playing. Um, game prep was easy, but I learned a lot about um, recruiting, different different styles of recruiting, way different there with some academic or with some athletic scholarship money as opposed to here where we were just academic-based and didn't have any scholarships at the time. Um, and it was, it was comfortable yet challenging, and... Again, everything was paid for. So I strongly encourage all of our student athletes that are looking on to go into grad school to look at an assistantship opportunity. And they're, they're out there. I applied all over the country. I could have been at Smith College out in out east, or I could have been down in Texas, but I ended up South Dakota, <laughs> So, which was nice because at the time, um, uh, my family is all still in the area, and I was able to come home you know, a few times a year. It was a little busy yet with both sports going on, but I would still be able to get back to family, so. So if we take this now um, into your, your coaching here, do you have a specialty that you like to work with, whether it's pitchers or infielders? Do you have a, a true passion for a certain specialty that you really kind of sink your teeth into? I don't necessarily have a passion. I still love every aspect of the game, but I'm fortunate enough now to have an assistant coach or associate head coach that really, really, really enjoys working with the pitchers. So I let him have the pitchers, even though that was my main background. Mm -hmm. um, and we still talk and we discuss and we, you know, he asks me questions if he can't figure something out. But um, it works that I've, I mostly work with the hitters and the outfielders. He works with the infielders and the pitchers and catchers. Um, we have it split up pretty well that way. But I, heaven forbid if anything happens to Brendan Goler and he's not here tomorrow, I'm pretty confident I can take over and work with the pitchers and everything, but I, I really appreciate what he does with the team. And staying on that topic of, of Coach Goler, um, as you mentioned, associate head softball coach has been with you, I don't know, is this like maybe six? Six or seven years, yeah. it, It's been for a substantial amount of time. From from my chair, athletic director, and just looking at far, it looks like you guys have a really strong relationship. 
what what goes in? I mean, is it a lot of trust that goes into it? What makes your partnership work so strong? And Tim, I would say it, it emblem, you know, is it's similar to what you have with Coach Lou, also an associate head coaching title. But that's not something that you just fall into. It's something that's earned over the time. So I'd be interested to hear your dynamic on that with your and Brendan's relationship. Yeah. Well, when he first came in, I had never really had a true assistant coach. I had Don Garaki, who was wonderful volunteer assistant coach and helped me tons as far as just the X's and O's of the game, but not on campus, not here dealing with relationships and dealing with um, those types of things. So um, when Brendan first came in, I'm like, honest, he goes, what's my role going to be? I said, honestly, I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out as we go. Um, But he, again, just proved himself. He worked hard. He asked lots of questions. And I was just like, okay, he's, he's going to get this. He's got this. And eventually it just, it was a trust thing. He goes, you'd ask, can I, you know, can I, can I work with the pitchers more? Absolutely. Or can I do this more? Absolutely. And it just, yeah, it's total a trust thing. And yet we can still disagree with each other. Every once in a while, the girls will be like, oh, mom and dad are fighting. You know, <laughs> like they see us bickering on the bench. But <laughs> we've heard that before too. <laughs> but we come back around and we just, you know, in, in the end, one of us was right and one of us was wrong and we move on to the next one. Um, but for the most part, I think it's a pretty respectful relationship. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about recruiting. You mentioned um, in your time at in uh, over there in South Dakota, um, you learned a little bit about recruiting and the aspect of that. Talking about recruiting here for UMM softball, what are the things that you look for? Um, are there certain areas that you can count on to get recruits from? Um, kind of how has how has that changed over your time here? Talk to us a little bit about the recruiting process here at UMM for you. That's changed a ton. You, well, you know, from the handwriting letters to to emails to text to social media. Um, but that is that is another thing that Goler and I are working well with. Is I'm I'm still more of the old school. I'm going to get to the high school games. I'm going to talk to the local high school kids. And he has way more experience with the travel ball situation. And I think it's the same for most sports now. They have basically two realms of, mm-hmm. of folks to recruit from. Um, and so I'll, I'll take the kids that are Minnesota kids. He's finding kids online. He's going to travel ball uh, tournaments in Houston and Arizona. And we're looking for strong academic kids, first of all, mostly in the sciences. If they come, if they come to us, we're going to be like, okay, what is your major? What's your GPA? And we'll let you know if you're a good fit. If they're a nursing major, okay, we're going to, we can work things out for you, but it might not be the best fit. Right. Um, but if we're looking for those, that biology or pre-med or, um, and they have high academic standards, then we, we really go after them. We actually have a couple kids coming from, we have one coming from Washington next year. We have a couple kids on the team right now that are from Arizona and New Mexico. They're looking for that, that medical degree, most of them. So, so you referenced, uh, Arizona and you got, I know one coming from Washington next year. What does the rest of the composition of the team look like? Are you are you still predominantly based out of Minnesota, or is it more of a of a national scope? Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. We're we're about fifty fifty actually. I will be next year probably about fifty fifty of out state in state, and then we've really got. That's where my captains have been great. Both of our captains are from Minnesota, and then some of the older ones that are in leadership roles, whether they, they know it or not, mm-hmm. um, they're really good about taking these kids in that are from out of state, that don't have the families an hour away or two hours away, and they're looking over them, bringing them into their own families. And it's, I really appreciate what they're doing too. 
Talking about families now, and, and when you have um, student-athletes visit campus or when you are at a high school game and, and have an opportunity, maybe just a, a brief amount of time. You know, I call this the elevator pitch. If you've got 30 seconds with a, with a player and, a, and their families, what are the things you are highlighting in that, in that 30-second spiel that you give that kind of gives them a real good idea about what Cougar softball is all about? Well, I try to, again, push the academic. They're going to get a, a great education for their, for their buck um, here. But as far as softball goes, we have very good team chemistry right now. Um, it's very much a family setting. They're going to have I – hate I hated to say this when I was younger, but I'm more maternal than I was before, <laughs> and which also helps the parents. I'm guessing preaching to the parents more than the kids in this, that I'm going to look out for their kids um, and be there for them. And we're always striving for competition within the team in order to put the best team on the field. So everybody has a chance, you know, whether they were the third string pitcher on their travel ball team or they were starting pitcher for their high school team. They're all going to be thrown together on the same day at the same level and and get a chance to compete. And some kids really thrive on that. And some are like, I'm just going to come if I'm only only if I know if I'm I'm only going to come if I know I can play. And um, we don't ever tell them that because. Yeah, that's not it. They got to come and compete for a yeah. spot. I mean, how how are coaches to know that? Yeah, you know, four months ahead of time, right. or six months ahead of time. There's just yeah. So I I uh, <clears throat> that's one of those things you talk to recruits about is if 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 coaches are actually telling you that, I would really worry because how many are they telling that to? Mm-hmm. And then what happens when you get there? So yeah, uh, yeah and I, the competitive part of that. it too, right? You know, to sure. that end, that at least whatever years ago different sport where I was I want a person who's going to come in and compete for that job and not just have something handed to them because that that's not what college athletics is or should be about in my opinion yeah yep and we always talk about I'm always trying to recruit just as good or better than we already have so the freshmen are the people I'm talking to think that's awesome because they think they're just as good or better than what we have right and then my upperclassmen are like oh they're going to keep out going out there and getting some other kids so I I need to stay on my game you know yeah, no, I think it's that's good motivation too because that's something I think um, all coaches talk about. We do try to out recruit the the previous class. That's our job, mm-hmm. right? That's our job. That should be our goal. And the current players' goal is to continue to improve so you stay ahead of whoever we are bringing in. Yep. And when you can do that, you've you've set yourself up for some pretty good success. Um, speaking of that, let's jump a little bit to your current roster. Um, who are some of the leaders on your current roster? Who are some of the, the key players that you're counting on? Um, if you're going to have the success you want to have this year, who do you think are going to be the leaders and, and kind of the ones behind that? That's a great question. The leaders that have already stepped up so far, um, and we already named them as captains, is Adri- and Adriana. And Adriana, oh my gosh, I've known her for four years. Well, I can't it's just say easier her name. to just say AJ. AJ. <laughs> yeah, AJ it's always right. AJ. Adriana Johnson. And... Uh, Olivia Diver are two mm-hmm. named captains, but we also have Tori Nichols-Craft, Sierra Stevens, uh, Anna Bauman, some of these upperclassmen that have seen some field time, plus they're just good role models off the field. So um, those would be our older ones. However, we started six freshmen in our last game on Saturday, so we're going to have some depth, and some of these kids are going to rise even before the season's over, I think, and and step into some of those roles as well. So, so when you're talking about mixing in that group of six year first year players, like you said, how how do you foster that that team chemistry? So, 
I mean, your upperclassmen and younger ones alike know, hey, coach's job is to go out and find somebody to come in to replace me, in a loose sense, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you still have that competition, but at the same point of time, make sure that they're a group of 20 strong together? And that's not to say there aren't squabbles, because there always are, right? Right. That's any sport, any gender, whatever. But how do you foster that team chemistry, knowing that you're going to have six first year come in and potentially take playing time from somebody who's been there before? Yeah, we talk about roles a lot, that people's roles could be constantly changing, and... (laughs) For instance, I, we, ta- we mentioned it again before we went to play on Friday. I said, okay, remember our roles. Right now these roles are this. They could be different by the time we get back. And said, for instance, we're going to need a kick-butt bookkeeper. And Jesse Vermillion <laughs> raised her hand right away. All right, Jesse, that's your job. And she also trained Gordon in on how to do it on the iPad. So uh, shout out to Gordon McIntosh, one of the best volunteer assistants ever. One um, of the best humans ever. Yes. That's right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. But... um. It's as simple as, as being our bookkeeper, or I had Olivia Diver and I had Anna Bauman on the bench in that last game. Both of them came in in a pinch hitting and a pinch running role. I mean, so we talk about roles constantly, about how it may shift day to day or what their role is going to be that day. And, and yeah, so we just have to keep the communications open. Communication about everything is huge. We're going to have individual meetings again this week before we leave for Florida. I was just going to ask you about about that communication factor. How do you go about that? We we see student athletes in your office all the time. Um, I'm sure some of those are scheduled, and maybe some are not. I don't know. But um, how do you, throughout the season, keep those communication lines open? I know some of it is, hey, we have an open door policy, mm-hmm. but we also know that that in and of itself does not get people inside your door, even if they do have something they want to talk about. So are are there things that you implement in order to keep those lines of communication open throughout the season? Yeah, well, we always always have the captains on the lookout for things that bring attention to, because we're not paying attention to everybody every single day. We try to, but it doesn't always happen. So if they see somebody struggling with something, they encourage them to come and talk to us or tell us what's going on, and we hunt them down. We actually had somebody in our office before we even left on Saturday, Friday morning, whenever we left last week. Um, otherwise, we have scheduled appointments, like you said, this week. I've got all 18 of them scheduled mm-hmm. before we leave again mm-hmm. on, on Sunday. So, um, But we, yeah, we're just lots of caretakers sure, <laughs> looking sure. out for each other. Yeah. Well, I, a complaint I've never heard an athlete say is, oh, coach communicates with us way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go talk to my coach again. <laughs> you just don't hear that. So yeah, I think I think anything we as coaches can do to um, to encourage communication back and forth, I think is is right. really and to really teach good. them how to communicate with anybody. I mean, some mm-hmm. of these kids, especially the last few years, they've been sitting behind a computer and don't know how to talk to anybody. I'm like, okay, get in here. We're not going to bite. We're going to just talk about some stuff. Some things might be uncomfortable, but we're going to talk through it and get through it. So. Yeah. So uh, before we jump into the actual games, because uh, we know you've had a, a couple games now under your belt, and um, but if you look at kind of the, the overall scope of your season, what are your expectations? And with that is how do you define success? That might be different for everybody, and that's something we've asked different coaches as well. Um, it's not always wins and losses. Um, so question number one, what are your expectations for the season when it comes to that? And two, how would you define success, you know, two, three months from now? Two, three months from now. Well, we've always got, we always have the statistical goals, you know, and so far we're meeting a couple of those, um, just with fielding percentage and less strikeouts than walk, less strikeouts than walks. We'd like to walk away more than strikeout, vice versa for our pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking for those, but just to improve on the season before. I mean, we finished fourth in the conference last year. 
we want to be at least fourth or better this year, and we, we believe that we have the, the, the crew that can do that. Um, and just taking the step, like, part of our strategy going into this weekend was to lay off the high pitch. We had a win because just we didn't have a win in the books, but we had a win because we laid off the high pitch all sure, weekend long. Sure. Uh, we wanted to attack early in the count, which we hit the ball early in the count. We didn't hit it so solid sometimes. Um, so our batting average doesn't show what we did, but we had success this weekend, even though it doesn't look like it in the record book. So, so when you're looking at aspirations for the season, as you referenced fourth place and or higher, and as we've talked about a billion times, fourth place puts you in that conference tournament setting. Your women had, or at least the returners, had a taste of that last spring where you went and then knocked off the number one seed. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that, and, and legit question, is that something that's in, past history we don't talk about anymore is that something where you're sitting there we openly share with the team hey my expectation is this is a conference tournament-esque team that that's that's where we want to set that bar and that's where we want to strive to go get mm -hmm. we i guess we don't talk about it every practice but it's just assumed that that's what we're doing we are going to finish at least fourth and we are going to be in that tournament and um now that you say that maybe we should bring it up and make it a chant every day or something like that but um but yeah, it's just an expectation that we all have. Let's dive a little deeper into the games that you have come off. You had uh, um, a couple games, or well, a couple opponents over the weekend, four games, I guess. Uh, UW River Falls on Friday night and Augsburg on Saturday. Um, and we can get as much into the weeds as this as you would like to, but what, are, what were some of the highlights? You mentioned you know, a couple of the quote-unquote wins over the weekend, laying off the high pitch, some of those things. But were there some other specific things that, that, that your team took away or that you could highlight for us for those uh, first initial games? Yeah, I'd say by the end of the day on Saturday, by our fourth game, we kind of figured out um, what energy level we need to be at in order to compete. Because we, at one point... River Falls just took it to us. They, mm -hmm. they hit and hit and hit, and they never stopped. <laughs> so um, we got pretty beat up right away on the first day out. Second day out against Augsburg, um, we were in the game for the longest time, and then all of a sudden we're just like, oh, they just hit the ball, so now we're done. So it kind of got almost like a defeated attitude, and we talked about it in between games and said, we got to figure this out. And they did, and I don't know if it started because Tori – started screaming and yelling or if autumn started screaming and yelling but they picked up the energy on the bench and our freshman I, I remember the turning point our freshman morgan wilhelm the pitcher who threw a great game by the way um she had a couple of mistakes but overall struck out seven and in against mayak hitters i thought that was pretty good that's great anyway she had an at bat that was 13, 14 pitches long just fouled off wow. fouled off and our bench got louder and louder and louder with every pitch and after that something just clicked and we scored two runs that inning and then the next day we come up we score two more runs and we were just on fire defense was lights out they ended they ended up winning with a unfortunate call at home plate i would that's say a safe, that's a safe way <laughs> yeah, to say it unfortunate call at home plate in the bottom of the seventh um that'll be a pod for the, us one day let's talk about all the blown calls that we've <laughs> experienced this season um and there were a few more in that game. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but when we ended that game, it felt like a win just because we had kind of we figured something out and the energy level was up and everyone was excited. And now we're going into Florida knowing how that feeling feels. And I think it's just going to build from there. Well, when we talk about 
the non-conference schedule. And like you said, it's all about gearing up for the conference season in and of itself. And T, obviously with your squad this year, we talked about it a ton. We did it with Coach Susan Guth in volleyball. I know Marty. I mean, every sport sets up your preseason, well, not preseason, your before conference season contest to prepare yourself for it. And when you take off the first two games of the year versus a WIAC opponent and then an MIAC opponent, not not saying you're guaranteeing losses out of the deal, but that's tough competition. Watching from my office on the screen, I'll say this, AJ, for five innings of that contest, was on fire. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here looking at this thing saying, if she pitches like that versus conference opponents, and yes, then I think the sixth inning happened that just the wheels fell off, right? Mm. But she was on point. You had runners on base in the first, second, and third inning. And in one you case... runners all over the place. Yes, but I think you had first and third with no outs. Then you had second and third with just one down. And I'm going, we scratch across the run here, and who knows what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and then even in that game two contest on Friday... And I know she took the loss, but you can speak to it. A first-year freshman pitcher goes out there on the stripe and starts throwing in, in Morgan Wilhelm. That Yeah, she, she gave up some runs and she had some misses, but then she bounced back on Saturday. But you can only get that experience in those game situations. You're going to mm-hmm. have to learn and grow and develop. And I saw that from Morgan from, from Friday to Saturday, and I would assume you guys as a staff saw that too. Yeah, she grew a ton. And the same thing, I mean, it was our... You're right. AJ was on point in hers. Autumn Tice came for her. She had a student teach on Friday, so she wasn't there on Friday. Came in Saturday, had her first start. It was a rough outing to begin with, but we came back to her, and she was back on point. Um, so just getting those first game jitters out, even as seniors, I got to get them out sometimes. Um, another name I wanted to mention was Mary Lander, who was we had thought just using her as a DP, and then we're like, okay, she's hitting a ton. We need to keep her in the lineup somehow. Let's put her behind the plate. So she caught a couple games as well. And I think she she or Sierra are leading us in batting average right now. Well, I think they're one two both okay, of them, if both. I'm not mistaken. And there are yeah. one two hitters too. Yeah. So they just getting the ball, getting the ball in play, and and again, freshmen stepping up and doing this for us. Now, Matt uh, mentioned AJ, and you have as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the pitching aspect itself. I'm familiar, obviously, on the baseball side, where I know there's there's importance of pitch counts and getting adequate rest and all that. And yeah. I know it's different on the softball side. How how much can a pitcher pitch in softball? Like, how do they need the rest? Is it best to get them wrecked? Talk to a little bit about that. How you handle your pitchers on the softball side of things? If they have the endurance in their legs, they can go and go and go. Like I was talking to AJ. We drove vans this weekend, back to old school. But um, she was my co-pilot, and she was just like, "I can't believe I used to pitch nine games in a weekend." <laughs> so they're they can go and go and go as long yeah. as their legs go. Okay. Where she threw. What did we count later? I think it was like 90 pitches in that first game, and then she had to come back in the second game and throw some more. She got rested and was able to come back and do it the next day too. So it's all just in their conditioning. And she is in the gym all the time, so she will be able to go and go and go. Okay. So looking now to, and I know we, we've talked about your Florida schedule, and remind you said 11 and 3. Something, I mean, you're going to play more than a dozen games down there. Mm-hmm. How does that set up? When are you taking off? When are you traveling? I mean, are there any built-in resty type days? When are you back? Give me some um, just logistical information around your Florida trip. All right. Well, we're flying out early Sunday morning, and I mean early like 1 a.m. <laughs> we're uh, taking off in the bus, flying out at 7. Um, fun fact, if you try to put 2 <laughs> o'clock in Google Calendar on uh, daylight savings, it won't let you do that. It'll either jump you up to 3 or back to 1. Come on, Just Google. Just saying. <laughs> you got to be Anyway, so we're leaving that, at sure. 1 o'clock. Um, 
And then we don't play our first day down there. It's getting into, we're doing a VRBO for the first time. Usually we put them in condos where we got six to eight kids in each. We're throwing them all in one house. So this could either be really good or really bad. That fits 20? Uh, it, it fits 27, actually. Oh, but awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll get our groceries. We do our own cooking while we're down there just because it saves a lot of money. And they kind of have fun doing the... The cooking. Well, I was just going to say, what, what brings to mind with that is just the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can imagine a group of, of young college athletes preparing meals together. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. That's just a great way to go. Yeah. Well, it so. sounds like macaroni and cheese is what it sounds <laughs> well, like. Well, in the Johnson household, maybe. <laughs> yeah. but, uh. Well, you got Olivia Diver. She's setting up a menu already. And we also have, um, we have parents and grandparents that provide meals every once in a while, too. I know the Mahoney's and... Griffin's are already on board for getting us some pizza some night, and usually there's one or two or three actually family meals that are prepared for us too, so that's all good. Um, we play doubleheader Monday, doubleheader Tuesday, and a reserve game Tuesday, so that's a three-game day. And then Wednesday is the, the day off for the entire tournament to make up rain days if they have any earlier in the week. They will play on Wednesday, otherwise it's a scheduled day off. Um, and then another doubleheader on Thursday and a tripleheader on Friday. Doubleheader Saturday, tripleheader Sunday, and then we come back Monday. And where exactly in Florida are you going? We'll play some of our games in Winter Haven and some of them in Auburndale. So right around the Orlando area. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, exciting. Can't wait to, to um, get some of these games at home. We can see them. And uh, I know we're not wrapped up yet, but that kind of puts a, a bow on the season itself. What I want to go back to is, um, and you had mentioned earlier your experience with, with choir and different things here. That made me think of the Title IX video that was done earlier this this year um, as a 50th anniversary of Title IX, and you were highlighted in that. I thought it was was great. Can you talk a little bit about that video and, and just what that means to you? Yeah, that was really a cool experience. Actually, when um, A.D. Johnson said that we we're going to put this video together and we want to talk to I'm like, I got to live life after Title IX. I got to reap the benefits of the Title IX folks that did all the battle and and went to work for us to get to play. So I thought it was really cool that he went back and talked to, you know, um, Janelle Bright. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the other lady's name. I'm so sorry. Well, Darcy, we talked to well, as well. Well, Darcy Winkleman. And, um, and I'll think of it in a second, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Basketball coach's wife. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Um, but if yeah, you're listening, the ones, we apologize. We apologize, because <laughs> I, I know your name. It's right there. Um, but they're the ones that did all the work for us and laid the ground, the groundwork for us athletes to come afterwards to them. Um, and then it was neat to hear the, the current athletes yeah. too, are like, they lived life like it, like title nine never happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, that video is, it made us, made, made me think a little bit about and appreciate what others had done for us. So. Yep. Unrelated to that. Well, I shouldn't say unrelated. Not related to our video that we shot too. And this was just, you know, on Twitter, you can, any social media can see all kinds of crazy stuff. But just this weekend, I saw something and it was a picture of like the 1912 Elbow Lake women's basketball team. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. But then you start reading through all the comments and Minnesota, and I'm sure other states as well, but we had. Not not high school sponsored, but whatever girls athletic association games or whatever through like the 1920s, like there was actually established travel women's basketball programs or whatever. And then some science somewhere came out and said that there were long term effects on women's ability to reproduce and mental health and all of this other stuff by participation in sports. So that's what actually 
banged it mm -hmm. until far, far later when it came back again. So when you look at just the ebb and flow of, and I'll use the word science loosely there, but to say that, that women had their footing and all of a sudden the carpet was pulled out from underneath them and then they had to build back up until finally in 72 when it happened. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I learned you know, through our research here was you know, Morris as an institution sponsored women's athletics before Title IX even mandated it across. So you know, if you want to hang your hat on something you know, that, that we've done institutionally for a long time, that was something I thought was fascinating and, and awesome, frankly. Yeah, very cool. Okay, because we're going to jump all over the place here at the end because of your multi-hats and multi-roles. One That's thing right. I do want to talk about, too, um, is your facility. And I know that it is, it's a work in progress still, as crazy as it sounds, because it's not finished yet. But as someone who has been a part of Cougar Softball for 25, well, more than that, 30 years, <laughs> in a good way, Heather. Careful but now. From, Careful. A, from a leadership, from a, a head coaching perspective, I think this is your 25th season. And then, you know, obviously you played here before, and yes, you always had a field, right? I Thank you, UMM, for a field, okay? But now you have a complex, and yes, you haven't been able to reap the benefits of it just yet because of snow and situations like what we're dealing with this winter. But talk about that from a recruiting perspective and also hopefully from a visionary perspective of, of how you think that's going to continue to be or will become the Cougars' home base. Yeah, I when you say back 30 years ago, when I played, we didn't even have a home run fence or a dugout. So that has been <laughs> big improvements. We have three fields, two of them with dugouts right now, third one coming, um, beautiful complex. It is a, it is a talking point when we have recruits on campus, we walk out there. We haven't with the, you know, four feet snow drifts out there now, but yeah. up until we couldn't, we would walk them out there and say, this is still coming, but it's, it's going to be absolutely beautiful when it's done. You know, we get our batting cages out there. We get a storage shed out there. Whatever. We can put everything out there and not have to move it back and forth and back and forth like we've had to do forever. So. And that comes as a partnership with Mary Holmberg, who I know you know well, and, and the Morris Area High School um, Tigers. We share that field as well, too. Um, but, but can you talk about with your relationship with HP or, excuse me, with, with Holmberg and the high school, too? I mean, how do we, how, and I know how it works, but share, how does that work on, on the end to make sure that two two competitive teams are sharing the same complex, same field. How do we make that work? Well, we haven't been able to practice out there yet since they were, I mean, they, they start their season a week or two weeks after we even are out there playing games. So um, with the three fields out there now, plus the Gullickson field out in the back, um, we think that we'll all be able to practice at the same time. You know, if, if the high school has a game, we'll just be over on another side field. If we have a game, they're going to be on a side field. Um, so, and we've also, as far as game days go, we've had two dates so far that have overlapped with high school games and, vars and Cougar games. Um, ours, ours, we could move to a Sunday, so that was no, they're hosting a tournament. The high school is hosting a tournament on the 21st. We were supposed to play Superior. Um, Superior, I don't care, we can play on a Sunday. It's still, we're not missing any class. We'll come up and do that. Um, and another date, the college team was like, we can be off the field at 440. Let's just start at 1130. So, um, that's what we're going with this year, but it's so far, it's been easy to, uh, to, to work together as far as figuring out who's going to be on the field when, and nobody really cares which field they're on They're They're the, the fields themselves are, are exactly the same. There's one that's got a bigger scoreboard. So, um, they're beautiful and going to be very nice. And I think being that there's lights out there will also certainly help, right, in terms mm -hmm. of, of planning for things. You just, you know, with lights, you don't have to worry about running out of daylight. And so right. that's, uh, 
that's a huge aspect, I think, to the whole thing as well. And my favorite is coming out in the summertime and watching all the third through sixth graders playing, and then the high school league is on certain nights. Those fields are used nearly every single night all summer long, and that's what's really cool for me to see. Yep. And get some on campus. And I know it's on the edge of campus, but bringing people to Minnesota Morris and hopefully showing our commitment to not just softball, but women's athletics as a whole and having a home for for you know Cougar and Tiger softball, respectively. All right, here's my last one for you. And it's one that outside, well, and I, I really, as we sit with the three of us here, this is what I will call my administrative council, whatever it is, right? I've got an associate athletic director with Tim, but then with you, Heather. It sounds way fancier than it actually is. Well, yeah, it, what it is, just <laughs> us sitting in the office, you know, twiddling our thumbs. But but seriously, the, you and I've said this to both of you on, on multiple occasions. I mean, you're my people, right? In terms of when I need a sounding board, when I want to, you know, get the, a feel of the staff. You know, Heather, you spend some time in the annexes. So you can, you know, the reality is it's in any any role, right? You need to have people that you can rely on and count um, upon for honest feedback for all of those type things. And, and Heather, one of the roles, um, and arguably to me, your most important role is that as, as senior woman administrator. I would assume outside of athletics, very few people even know what that means or, or that that's a role you hold. Um, twofold, would you A, talk about what that what that means, and then secondly, can you talk about just a kind of um, a progression in yourself that you've seen in that capacity? Because you've taken on so many, in my opinion, in the last several years, so many more leadership roles. But what is an SWA? And then secondly, how have you grown and developed in that role too? Okay. Well, a senior woman administrator, short SWA for short, um, is an NCAA assigned role that someone in your in your office has to have this this title. And for the longest time, it was just a title um, here. But um, the roles that I've taken on since that, since being assigned SWA, is just whatever's been thrown at me. It's been the SAC leader, the yep. Student Athlete Advisory Committee forever, which I I love that, that job. It keeps me connected with the athletes a little bit. Um, but as far as the administrative stuff, I... I feel like I'm way more comfortable now to call you out when I'm not happy with something that you're saying or doing. Um, but it also is just working on with compliance and making sure everybody's eligible and keeping ever eligible to play, keeping their GPA and making sure they're taking enough classes and that type of stuff. But it just gives us another person's point of view, a seat at the table to to help make decisions and be a sounding board, like you said. And obviously that involves, um, you said NCAA mandated, but it's one of those things where you've got a role within the UMAC as well, too. Um, you know, so I, I believe you're a sport liaison mm -hmm. for, is it cross, cross country? Cross country. Yeah. But then you also go, you, know, you and I go to the NCAA convention every year. Mm -hmm. and But there's programming specific to just being an SWA at that as well, too, correct? Right. And usually at those types of meetings, all the SWAs from, our conference. We just set up a lunch date and just go talk about work and then get sidetracked off on the kids and things like that. But um, it's it's just like another level of administration, I think. And we kind of have our ideas on how things should, should go sometimes, and we'll bring those ideas to the athletic directors or the faculty athletic reps, or it's just another, another tool in the administrative tool belt, I guess. Awesome. So like I said, that that to me, and, and I've said to you many a time, like that's such an important role within our department. The reality is outside of our, nobody, like I said, probably doesn't even know that exists or what that is. 
But with you, I hope, and I, I think you do understand just the value that it plays because, I mean, see, you, you're the longest tenured, in our case, person in our department. But on top of it, you've, again, you've experienced the trials and tribulations of what Cougar Athletics has been here and chosen to remain. So um, to that, I say thank you for, for you carving out some time here, even on a uh, this morning to come in and do it. We're doing it earlier than, than we have in the past. But just uh, to say thank you, thanks for sharing all of your insight into Cougar softball. We didn't even touch on the fact that you were the head volleyball coach for, what, seven years as well, or maybe, I don't even know. Ten, I think. Ten. I don't. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it's one of those things where when you look at, at everything that you bring to the table and have brought, have, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing perspective, and I appreciate it so much this morning. Thank so, you. listen to this. It's going to work. Ah. Look at it. We don't have many bells and whistles here, but that audio clap, we sure do. <laughs> so, again, T, never, and we say it every single week, but it, it worth repeating again. Um, it's just awesome to hear our colleagues talk about, again, even just their lives, you know, and, and the, the trajectory and, and Mark grabbing Heather and saying, go get your GA That's so you right. can come back here and coach someday. How many other people can say that? Yeah. You know, and then she followed through with it and made it happen. Yep, and is still here, you know, and that's um, that's something that that UMM has a uh, has a tendency to do is once um, they kind of get you, they throw their arms around you, they and in terms of you know the the campus community and and just they uh, it just has a way of of sucking you in and keeping you here because there's so many great things about this place um, that yeah there's there's a reason that so many of us has have uh, stuck around as long as we have. Yeah, and with uh, four and a half feet of snow outside, I don't know if that March 25th for a softball game is going to happen, but we don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess. We but I'm excited. our fingers. Yeah, I'm excited to, to get the, the Cougs out on the field. And by the way, whether that's Big Cat or whether that's out on the softball complexes and just get the season going. You know, it's spring is, and I'll, it will transition that right into baseball too. Spring is a fun time because you come out of this slight lull that we've had in athletics and all of a sudden now we've got games going again and yeah. they're competitive and, and bring that fan experience with them like baseball and softball have tended to do. Yeah, can't wait. Um, you know, part of, part of I think why we love baseball and softball season so much is, is, is it's, that, it's that kind of, you say we're getting out of the, the lulls of the long winter season. People just enjoy being outside. Talking to Coach Lou yesterday, and and she, she even and this is no knock about everything. She's like, yeah, I don't necessarily. It's not that I necessarily love baseball and softball. I just love being outside and having something to do. Yeah. And that's you know, you go and you you watch a game and you you cheer for the Cougs because that's what we do. And you just enjoy being outside and you enjoy the nicer weather. So, um, yeah, and and can't wait, can't wait for these seasons to get going here at home. Yeah, and see, and I love Lou. I'm gonna go the opposite. I do love baseball and softball. Me I just too. don't necessarily love being outside. I need like. <laughs> I need like SPF 170 and a broad rimmed cap. You know what I mean? Like that's the worst part of it. That's why I love the Metrodome, man. I would go back and play baseball in there anytime. But to be around the game uh, and just to, because there's so many nuances that go into a softball game or a baseball game, any sport for that matter. Um, but I, I love it. I just love the sport. It's why we have an active role, I think you and I, with the Cougar baseball program. And we'd be doing it for softball too if Mr. McIntosh, which Gordon, keep doing it forever, wasn't the play-by-play guy for the Cougs already. So That's it. We understand our role. We talked about roles before. We understand ours. Yeah. Stay out of Gordon's way. Let him do his thing. And we'll just we'll pick up the pieces over in baseball. Tread lightly around Gordon's uh, <laughs> you know, uh, deal with softball and go. But Gordon, we love you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right, so let's talk baseball real quick. They did finally uh, get a couple games under their belt. They went down to U.S. Bank. Um, to me, it's a great start to the season. I know we didn't come out with victories in both of them, but we split versus McAllister. Um, talk to a little bit about that. I know you were able to see some of the video, or at least the audio. It was 
it was a partnership with McAllister, so yeah. it was a hard game to follow because the audio didn't match the video Correct. and the live stats were screwy. And they had that that mute thing right in yeah, the middle of the our screen. Own. Yep, that's we, we were doing the video because we didn't have a mic plugged in. All that to say, we got an eight one victory in game one. We did. Um, was awesome to see. Uh, Joey Reinerts came out and dealt on the hill, so that was re- I think he. Well, he went four innings. I don't know if he gave up one run or only maybe none earned for that matter. Um, and they jumped on McAllister early, you know, built a 7-1 lead through four innings and then, um, you know, tacked on one more at the end there. So great start to the season for, you know, Coach O'Brien's crew. It was. And uh, to see a nice, convincing 8-1 to lead, like you said, jumped out early and were never really um, challenged, I think. Uh, uh, pitching was good. Defensively solid. Um, offensively good. You look at, at you know, one thing I wanted to specifically look at, and, and I went back and checked this morning. Um, you know, last season we had guys uh, challenge for the steals record, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about that toward the end of the season, and and that just kind of goes to who OB is. I think he's pretty pretty aggressive offensively. And so I just wanted to look at, at kind of those offensive things too. And we had in game one last night, we had three steals. We had one caught stealing and two guys picked off. And to me, that's that's aggressive. Yeah. And right? early season aggressive too. Sure. Getting picked off and things of that. Yeah. You just haven't seen it yet. Sure. No problem. I mean, but that goes to your willingness to to get out and be aggressive. I mean, if you're gonna in football, if you're gonna throw the ball down the field a bunch, you have to you have to be okay with some interceptions. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. If we're gonna run the ball a lot and 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 be very, very aggressive getting up and down the floor in basketball, I have to live with some turnovers. That's just kind of the way it is. So to me, I look at baseball the same way. If you're gonna be an aggressive team and and try to steal bases, well, occasionally you're going to get picked off, and that's that's something you live with. But I think those those offensive numbers, I think, give us a, a glimpse of what we can look forward to seeing again this season in terms of the aggressiveness on the base pads, uh, willingness to get out and go, trying to create that offense as we go, which is going to be a fun uh, a fun style to watch. Well, the other thing about it too. Um, it's that a style, and then it's a, just a really good mix of upperclassmen and, and youth again. And I know O'Brien mentioned it when he was in here, but as I'm watching the contest last night, you of course, you think of Bauman, of Evan Benson, mm-hmm. of Brian Banyu, you know, the seniors. Guys that have been around. Right, right. even Reinhardt's is a junior, right? But as I look at it in that first inning when they put out the lead, Benny Muser comes up with an RBI double. He only played like a half dozen contests last year because he broke his arm. That's David right. Steffen comes up with a single. You know, it's these sophomores, younger kids that are coming through too, and 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 pushing that the team forward. So um, the the stat that I'll reference out of it too, and I think you've got it underlined there too, is they also took ten walks. Right. You know, so you want to talk about plate discipline and patience there too. Yep. And I was gonna gonna bring that up as well. Whether it's plate discipline, yes, or maybe it's McAllister just getting you know defensively and with the pitching just trying to get uh, get their footing as well so um, it'd be interesting to see if later in the season they also have an opportunity to draw another 10 walks or if, if, if the pitching is a little bit better at that time and keeping things in the zone but uh, play discipline certainly something to take away from from game one yep and then they moved into game two and again these are down at u.s bank which they're going to play again tonight mm-hmm. versus augsburg by the way um so i don't know it didn't even start till like 9 50 i think i mean it was yeah, game two was around that nine o'clock. Oh, nine o'clock. Because yep. game, you know, these are seven inning games. So yep. I think the first one I saw was just under two and a half hours, yep. and it uh, first pitch was at six. So I, I'm sure by nine o'clock did the second one go. On. Um, and then McAllister ends up taking the win, and that one's seven to four. Uh, back and forth contest right away. I think they got two in the top of the first. We came back and got two. We got one. They got. I mean, it was like four four until it slipped away from us. Um, Elias Harrington went on the bump for the Cougs, uh, and and. And again, first start of the season, you know, coming out of it, pitched okay. Um, better than I would argue the McAllister kid did, that I did not finish it in full disclosure. But in what I want, I think I watched him hit four batters. 
Um, and then they ended up going with somebody else. Um, but once again, when when the when the dust settled on it, the McAllister came out with that seven four victory. Uh, but I will highlight once again, David Steffen hit a homer, um, and then was two for four on the night and had three ribbies. So early in the season for David, I don't. I mean, the guy's got to be batting seven fifty, you know. So um, good things to happen, and then we'll see. Uh, tonight, what goes with Augsburg? Honestly, I don't know anything about them, but they're back in in U.S. Bank. Right, and just a couple more offensive stats for I did go back and look at the stolen base. We had three steals again in game two, and two guys caught stealing. So it kind of goes, you know, with the with the uh, aggressiveness that the Cougs are going to play with uh, this season. As you mentioned, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, um, so we don't have results from obviously the Tuesday night game whenever this episode drops. So we'll be looking uh, for those results from their games on. Uh, on Tuesday night against Augsburg back in the bank, and then um, they'll be off to Florida. So that is baseball. They're up and rolling. It's a, it's an exciting time of year. You know, tonight I believe they play at, what do they play, at 9 and at midnight, something like that. I mean, it, it's yes. overnight it's, games. Yep, it's late. I think it, 9 might even be early. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they'll be playing well into the morning hours of Wednesday morning. And then they take off for Florida on Wednesday itself. So, um, Heather and, and the softball team are going to take off on Sunday. Baseball gets there a couple days earlier, but uh, it's, a, it's exciting to get them down and just have them compete. So that was good. Speaking of competing, and I know we've talked about this sport a ton and we're going to continue to, uh, Cody Nye and Anthony Starzizek went and competed at qualifier meets or last chance meets in track and field. They went to uh, Platteville and then Wartburg this weekend. Mm-hmm. Cody, because he was on the cusp of qualification for nationals uh, and just has had an outstanding senior year and, and career, frankly. And then Anthony, because he's a first-year kid. And Coach Cazisto really wanted to have him have an opportunity to just experience that that atmosphere. You know, I was talking to Josh yesterday, and he said, Matt, there were 2,000 people at that meet. Oh. You know, it's not not to, to, to make light of anything we do around here, but that's not you know, something that Anthony or, or Cody are probably used to throwing in. So um, both of them went and really performed well on Friday. Unfortunately, they didn't meet the, the standard they needed, but Josh came out of that really, really happy. Um, and his thoughts were just Saturday, they just got tired. Yeah, and each of them on, on Friday set new personal records Yeah, uh, in terms of that. So really uh, um, where, you, where you don't necessarily, as, as Heather kind of talked about earlier, you don't necessarily get the W in the book, uh, but there are certainly some wins that came out of that that weekend and this experience for these two guys that uh, did extremely well on Friday in that in that first um, the first of the two opportunities they had over the weekend. Well, and you look at Cody now as track transitions officially into outdoor season yeah. when and if outdoor season occurs. <laughs> right. I think Cody's the defending conference champion in the shot, so obviously he'll be back with that, and that's where he was very close in nationals here. Um, so they have a whole other season. Then for Anthony, who knows? The sky's the limit, really, yeah. when you look at it. I mean, he's got several of the top times ever in the weight throw, and, I mean, he's yeah, he's just a first-year kid. You know, that's the thing that's so excited about having him have this experience is then they get outdoors here. Yep, on to the outdoor season here, which uh, begins March 18th down in Kansas. So that'll be, uh, maybe they don't have snow down in Kansas. Who knows? Yeah. Well, who knows is right. I, I'm pretty sure they don't, by the way, because uh, Alex, or actually Bianca Kyle, sent me a, a text message picture of being in Alex's home around Davenport, Iowa yesterday. No snow. Wow. None. Yep. And I'm not exactly saying it was lush green grass. Sure. But it didn't look like here. Yeah, there you go. So I said, uh, good luck getting in your driveway. That was my message with them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So do you want to run through a couple of other uh, sports coming up here? And, Ab- and absolutely. your banquet as well. Yep. Um, so men's and women's tennis, I think as we mentioned last week, they're off here for a, a couple of weeks yet. So um, we'll get back on the, 
the tennis scene here probably at the end of the month. And like to have Consuelo, Coach Michelle, come in and and talk with us a little bit too about her experience here. Yep, that'll be good. Um, And women's basketball, we put a bow on our season here over the weekend. We had our, um, we call it a banquet. That sounds way fancier than it actually is. It is a uh, team potluck that our families... Our family is very I mean, Minnesota. I was just going to say, yeah. what what more Minnesota is there than that? Uh, having a, a team potluck, so um, we always end up with with way more food than people can eat, which is is just awesome. Um, uh, we had obviously, and once again, uh, it was very well attended. Um, if there's one thing that I continue to just be in awe about is is the support that um, our student athletes get from families and and from people outside our our uh, little organization, which uh, it was just a really, really nice way to wrap up the year. We were able to hand out the conference awards and just kind of talk about the season in general. Um, the highlights are, are uh, Coach Lou puts together a highlight film for us, which was a lot of fun with, you know, all the, the great stuff. But then there's always a she goes through and finds little bloopers, um, you know, passes thrown out of bounds or people tripping over one another or whatever. And that's always a lot of fun. And and uh, Ella Van Kempen put together a slideshow, which was a lot of fun to see. And then Sonny, um, kind of put together a a, a video of uh, our experience out in California. Mm-hmm. So it was just, a, again, just a really nice way to wrap up the season. We've mentioned Gordon before. Gordon McIntosh was there to be part of that. He um, said a few words, and, and it was just fun to have him as, as part of it as he's a, a great supporter of ours and, and uh, will continue to be. And so it was just, again, just kind of a nice way to wrap up the season for us, and now we can officially – um, call it the off season and, and look forward to uh, next year, I guess. Well, and I can't help but smile looking across at your shirt uh, wearing that uh, Santa Cruz banana slugs. <laughs> that's right. Again, we said we, when you went there, I can't say that's the worst and the best mascot in the history of college athletics. Um, yeah, agreed. But hey, that's a memory you've got on right it there, is. my friend. It is. Uh, this episode is about to be a memory for most of us, too. Um, it's going to kind of wrap us up today. Uh, the question is, and putting you on the spot right here, are we doing this next week during spring break or not? We can give baseball softball updates while we're there. Well, I think we probably will. I mean, even though most of campus will be away, the two of us, where are we going? Well, that's... I've got big travel plans, as you can imagine. I'm sure you do. We've got kids in school. There's nowhere we're going. Well, and even if I didn't have kids in school, I'm my beautiful bride uh, is not going to go anyplace. So uh, with that, we're going we're gonna to tie this thing up. Uh, we will be back with you next week then, uh, anticipating baseball, softball updates, and, and maybe a guest. That is one thing that, that Coach Grove and I are continuing to talk about here is now, I mean, with the exception of Bianca, we want to bring her in, Consuelo to us, you know, with the tennis piece of it. And if I miss anybody else, I apologize. But I think those are the two sports that are still outstanding for us that we haven't hit on. I think so as well. And and the other thing that I, I mentioned to you is I, I want to take a day and highlight you and 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 yeah, give it's a chance just what to I need a bunch of highlighting. Give a yeah. give a chance to you know our our audience to get to know you a little bit better. I mean, yeah, we sit here and talk, but uh, we haven't talked about your background and and how it is that you got to where you are. So I think that'll be fun. And then I also something I mentioned that Heather will be hearing for the first time is uh, I'm going to be getting some some little known facts from our staff and we'll play a little game with you on how well you might know the staff. So that's something to look forward to in uh, one of the upcoming episodes. Do, 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 <laughs> do, right. do, do. Now it should all be good. Um, and this is a true throw and we haven't had a whole lot of interaction from, from the other side of the microphone so the listeners out there but if there's somebody that you think institutionally you'd like to hear from or or an idea or suggestion for, for Coach and I to roll through uh, shoot that to me in an email or, or connect with Tim or I respectively because again this is about us. Let's not ourselves but more so it's about cougar athletics it's about an opportunity to continue to share 
the realities of how great our student athletes are, how dedicated our staff is, how lucky we are to be able to work at this type of an institution. So uh, if you've got those suggestions, shoot them our way. And I'm going to uh, get this outro music going for you. Thanks again for joining us inside the den. Appreciate you all. You've been listening to Into the Den with Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Let's put a bow on this thing. To get the latest episodes of Into the Den, follow us on Spotify and online at morriscougars.com. Until next time, go Cougars.